0: Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. I'm Daniel gabby Breeling. joined once again by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. UFC in Vegas this weekend for UFC Vegas 14, which is now headlined by Rafael Dos Anjos and Paul Felder stepping in on crazy late notice. We'll be breaking down that fight as well as two other of our favorite fights on the main card is part of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, where we'll also give you our favorite underdog in a parlay we think will be particularly lucrative. Plus, as always, I've got the interviews for you guys. First, I'll be talking to Roque Martinez as he gets ready for his second bout in the UFC. After a tough bout with Alexander Romanoff, he is absolutely ready to go. He talks about that as well as his background and love for Pride FC. Then we're talking to Chaos Williams, Off of his victory over Alex Murano in just 27 seconds in February, he's ready for his second bout as well. And he's certainly jacked up for what is going to transpire between him and Abdul Razak Al-Hassan and what we can imagine is going to be a slugfest. And we're going to get to all of that great content for you right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready. Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. Alright, and joining me now is Roque Martinez who fights Dante Mays at UFC Vegas fourteen, Makachev versus Dos Anjos. So Roque, I-, I wanted to start by talking about the fact that, you know, you-, you spent so much of your career in Asia. You were a deep open weight champ. You fought in Ryzen. What what brought you to the UFC in into this new adventure that you're now on, you know, fifteen years into your career?
1: Mm. Uh well man, basically like um, uh I would like to say the, um, the whole COVID situation played a huge part, uh, mostly because, um, as most people know, um, you know, when I was in Ryzen, of course, that's, that's, uh, all their events are in Japan. And, um, since COVID started, they have a, uh, travel ban for foreigners going into, uh, Japan. So, uh, basically I was kind of on standby to see what the deal was with them, um, you know, my last fight in Ryzen was my last fight on contract with them. Um, but I, I was thinking that, you know, most likely we're going to renew with them, but, you know, with the whole travel ban. At, at, at this point um, down down the year, it was, uh, I, you know, I think it was time to look at fighting elsewhere to stay active, you know, because I don't want to just wait to see how long so they lift their travel ban. So basically that um, sums it all up on how I ended up uh out to iridium which you know was definitely going to push for me to get into the ufc
0: well that, that's interesting so are you saying that if, if there was no covid scare here and there, there obviously wasn't the the travel ban in in japan you probably would have never even sought out the the possibility of fighting in the ufc um well I'm, i mean
1: i can't really say that wouldn't have happened but chances are that you know i i probably have, have continued to fight in rising um you know, but, of course, there's the possibility that if I was still doing good there, like, you know, USC could, could still reach out to me. Um, but, yeah, you know, just just I would say that the way it all played out for this year in COVID is almost a direct, uh, uh, you know, me getting into the USC is a direct result of everything that happened.
0: Interesting. Now, I do want to ask you a question or two about your time in Ryzen, too, because you, you had some amazing fights in Ryzen. You fought Jerome LeBanner, the, the famous kickboxer. You fought Mirko Krokop. What is what is sort of your, like, big memory from that time in Ryzen, and, and what is sort of your takeaway from, from that whole experience? Um, for me, like, you
1: know, fighting in Ryzen, um, and, you know, of course, those big names like Krokop and LeBanner. Um, you know, I grew up watching Pride, and everyone knows that Sakakibara is the uh, – he is the former owner of pride. Um, and you, you know, he, he owns Ryzen now. So for me, it was a lot of that feel of that pride nostalgia, you know? Um, and I think that's what stands out to me. And, and for my memories is those entrances and all the lights and, you know, the show, the production and everything like that. Um, it just brings me back to that old pride feel. And, and I think that's what I, and, uh, that stands out the most to me. Um, competing there, you know, I really loved it and the atmosphere.
0: And, and you got into the sport really early. At, at only 19, you made your, your amateur debut. You know, shortly thereafter, you made your pro debut. You've been in the sport for seemingly forever at this point. Now, I, I'm curious, did you get into the sport because you loved pride as a kid? Um, you know,
1: it definitely was a huge factor. Um, I was training at the time when I first got into MMA. My first MMA coach was Matt Hume, um, and the first event I was actually fighting in an amateur was actually considered um, a pride amateur event because Matt was a huge, uh, he played a huge role in pride. He was, um, uh, one of the head, uh, judges, I believe. And, you know, he was, he was very involved in pride. So, um, I was also training with like Josh Barnett, you know, like Ivan Salisbury was there, uh, uh, Maha Sakurai, you know, they had a lot of these, uh, these guys from Japan who were flying over the train there. So, um, it felt like I was uh, kind of around the atmosphere. Yeah. I guess you could say it. Um, and it played a huge role, um, you know, for me, uh, really, uh, attracted to, uh, pride at the time.
0: And I'm curious then too, if you were around a lot of those guys, you know, in sort of your formative MMA years, is there one of those fighters that stick out to you as being a, a big influence on, on how you fight now? And, and is that even, you know, still the same 15 years later?
1: Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I would say a huge, um, uh, I mean, Josh Barnett was, you know, definitely a big influence. Um, you know, when I beat Jerome LeBanner was actually a, a move that he was known for as well, the scarf hold. Um, so he, he is a huge influence. Uh, another name that stood out is, um, um, oh, let's it's uh, Akira a Shoji, um, I believe was his name. He had trained at AMC and he was uh he was known for like uh you know, a really undersized fighter fighting all these giants. He fought like Semi shilt man. He was, and I've trained with him a few times at AMC and it, um, I just liked his uh his his will like to fight and um it was rumors that he would he would actually um, before his fights, he would like, say, you know, who he wanted his, uh, stuff to go to, cause he went into fights with the, um, mentality that, you know, it, it could be killed. you know, like, but he still, he still went in with that fighting attitude. So, um, he was a big influence as well on, on the way I like to go into my fights. Um, you know, it's just, it's a fight, man. You got to go in there with that, uh, I guess that willingness to put it all on the line and put yourself in, in danger.
0: And do you go in with with that similar sense in in your mind? Do you do you go in with the idea that like, or at least do you try to get to that mental space at least of that idea that you know I could die in there? Um. Yeah. You know, it's always it's always on your mind. Like,
1: uh, you know, it's it's a realistic thing, man. It's a danger of sport, and uh, you have to be prepared. Like, uh, you know, it's kill and be killed, and uh, you know, at the same time too. In my later years, I've also known that. Uh, you know, you also have to be smart about it um, for the longevity. You know, the sport. If you want to fight longer, you kind of have to uh, also be a little bit smarter. If you watch a lot of my older fights, I could just go in there and slug it out. And uh, I mean, I still do that every now and then here and there. But uh, you know, it's uh, you got. I guess now it's about finding that balance. But yeah, it's still in. You know. And it, at the end of the day, I know um, if I go into a fight now and, and it turns into a slugfest, man, I'll get drawn into it. There's, it's who I am, man. I'm a fighter, and uh, if that's what if that's what it takes, then then that'll come out of me. But at the same time, I I do feel like I can also be smart as well.
0: I'm interested too because you're actually the second fighter from Guam who I I've spoken to. I, I talked to Frank Camacho recently too. And he almost said the the same exact thing that 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 fighter sense is in him, and if somebody brawls with him, he almost feels like it, his body is just drawn to it, and that's sort of the island mentality. Mm-hmm. Do do you feel that that is also just like the mentality of where you're from as well, or is this something else that's sort of ingrained in you?
1: Uh, I definitely yeah, I definitely think it's a island islander thing, you know. Um, Frank's actually a good friend of mine, and we train together. Uh, yeah, I'd say we'd have both have that same mentality. Um. Uh, and like we both uh, say, you know, it's it's almost something that's not controllable. You know, your coaches can tell you, hey, don't don't get into these slug fights. But now when you're in there, it's, you know, it takes over, man. And it's um, I guess it's that warrior spirit.
0: <laughs> well, we love watching that. Now, I got to ask you, too, because this upcoming fight, it's against Dontel Mays. He's a guy with a load of knockouts on his record. Tons of first-round knockouts, some standing, some by ground and pound. Do do you anticipate that type of fight devolving here as well? Do do you see this turning into a slugfest?
1: Oh yeah, definitely, man. I I, I could see it. Um, you know, um, of course I want to implement my game plan, but like I said, you know, it it, it, it couldn't land like a hard, a hard shot on me, and there goes that uh that warrior mentality kicking in, and man, and that's the thing is, when I start letting my hands fly, I know I know how um. How dangerous I can be as well, you know. So, um, in a way, if he brings that out in me, that could be a, a benefit for me. And, you know, I don't, uh, like I said, I can be pretty dangerous once I start letting my hands go. So, you know, maybe it, it would be a good thing if he kind of turns, into, turns it into a slick death.
0: Well, either way, we're looking forward to seeing that and we really appreciate the time. Once again, fans, this is Roque Martinez who fights Dante Mays at UFC Vegas 14, Magachev versus Dos Anjos. Roque, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it.
1: Oh, thanks for having me again. Thank you.
0: And that interview with Roque Martinez is brought to you by ProPace Sports Metrics. Visit them on Twitter at ProPace App. They're from the creators of the Grapple app, which, by the way, if you haven't checked it out, it's an awesome jujitsu game that you can find in the Android store. But we're here to talk about ProPay Sports Metrics, which is a new Android app that is designed to measure and drive the improvement of your performance when you're striking. And the really cool part about it is they've got this aspect called the striking clinic, which uses your phone's mic to detect your kicks and punches so that you can drive up your work rate using little beeps to tell you when to kick and when to punch. They've got different speeds and different ability levels so that you can meet your goals, whatever it is they are. Check them out. Once again, that's Pro Pace Sports Metrics or at Twitter at Pro Pace app. All right, and joining me now is Chaos Williams, who fights Abdul Razak Al-Hassan at UFC Vegas 14, Makachev versus Dos Anjos. So, Chaos, I wanted to start by talking about your UFC debut, because you get this win in 27 seconds. I got to ask, though, are you a little bummed out that you weren't able to follow that up with a fight really soon? You know, you've, you've sort of been out for, for nine months at this point. I mean, of course,
2: you know, I had to, I had to fight. Um, I mean, of course, man, you know, I I had a contract signed. Uh, it was too, I was cutting weight. I was already in camp. I was in perfect shape to go back in there. I didn't take no damage from my first fight, but you know, uh, it is what it is. You know, uh, you know, God's timing. I'm back when I'm supposed to be back and, you know, I get to show out next week.
0: Absolutely. And, and, you know, you said, you know, you had that fight with Star Starapoli all set for March. Obviously the coronavirus canceled it. Is that really all that was keeping you out? Was the fact that that cards were getting canceled from coronavirus, couldn't get the training you want, or were there other things yeah. keeping you out of the cage too?
2: No, it was it was it was it was uh it was ninety, I would say majority of you know what I'm saying. Like I don't really want to put a percent. I would say ninety percent or more, but I, I would say definitely uh the coronavirus man, because everything here was like shut down all the way, like uh like. The, they we didn't even have a YMCA open here. Like all our gyms were shut down. Like they start opening the gyms out west. When they started opening the gyms here in Michigan, like stuff still kind of shut down, still here. You know what I mean? So uh, that's really what it was. You know, just the uh, just the gyms. You know what I mean? And, and me, I know I know my worth. You know what I'm saying? I know my value. I I, I know uh, what I bring to the table, and I know what type of people they going to match me up against. So I never wanna second guess my craft or be like man I wish I could have did this or did that anytime I'm in there I want to be at my best and I want to get a fans uh, the best version of me I want to give myself the best version of me because I know you know when I when I'm all the way uh in shape and you know I'm ready and I'm in there can't nobody touch me and that's just how I feel you know I never want to go in there if I'm not ready mentally and uh physically
0: I, I definitely appreciate that thought. Now, I, I'm curious, too, because you said everything's been shut down even up through almost now, really, in Michigan. It, is there something that you're doing in particular to stay in shape, or was there something you were doing when everything was oh, shut yeah.
2: down? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, of course, still doing my calisthenics, still running, stuff like that. I end up I still. I, I end up, uh, going out to Jackson Wink when, when uh, they open their gym up a little bit. So I went out there and I went to Vegas. Uh, I went to Vegas. I was out there training at uh, the TNT. I was out there training for well, that was kind of recent. Matter of fact, that was like July, June, July. I was like, yeah, I was like July. Matter of fact, um, so I was in there with Mayweather and Tank when he was getting ready for his fight, and I was training in, in, in that gym too. So it was pretty good, man. You know, I had to travel a little bit, and then I got up with uh, my coaches and stuff when we when we was able to like have some gyms open, just like little privates and stuff like that yeah, I was able to get it in more. And then I started feeling more confident in uh in taking a fight. You know, I just wanted, like I said, I just wanted to be all the way in shape because I, I just never wanted to uh, second guess myself, you know?
0: For sure. And, and you mentioned, you know, obviously it's good to be back with your coaches, be be back with the people who you know you best. But but how do you take that time that you traveled around, got to see new coaches, got to see new training partners? Do you feel oh, like you oh, grew I loved it, man.
2: Yeah, I definitely grew. I definitely grew, and they're going to see that next Saturday for sure.
0: Well, we are certainly looking forward to that fight. Now, before we get to talking about that fight, I did want to ask you a couple of questions about uh, while you were fighting on the regional scene, because I watched a couple of your fights back when you were fighting just before you got into the UFC. You've got some of the most electric walkouts. There's like seven, eight, nine guys walking behind you. You've got this, like, skull mask on. What sort of brought the inspiration behind both, both, how many people you walk out with
2: in the skull mask? I mean, really,
0: man, you know, I got, I got a lot of support. You know, I got a whole, I got a whole state
2: behind me. You know, really, I got the Midwest, man, because I know people. Like I ain't local. You know, I, I travel a lot even before I was in the UFC. You know, I know people in uh, Indiana. I got family in Indiana. I was born in Indiana. You know, I, I be in Chicago. I got people in Chicago. I got uh, you know, all over Michigan. Michigan not really that big. You know, so me fighting regional. You know, I, I kind of got my name up, and I got a lot of support in Michigan. Like I said, I got the whole state behind me. You know, I know people in Ohio as well. Uh, I had a mural made for me uh, by Fight Time, and that was uh, in Ohio. So I got I got a lot of people that I uh, you know I talk to and you know I kind of conversate with. So you know I got I got I got a lot of support, man, in the Midwest. Period. But definitely in Michigan. So when it's fight time, you know, when I was selling, when I was fighting regional, I sell no less than like. 200 tickets, you know? So I already know the support there.
0: And is it hard for you knowing now that you're you're about to walk into a fight? And like you said, you're you're selling 200 tickets on a regional scene. You're walking out with, like, you know, the people who are there to support you. Is it hard knowing you're going to walk into this fight with, with almost, almost nobody in the stands with the exception of a couple of people who work for the UFC? No, it's not hard at all, man. You know,
2: I, I know what I got to do. And uh, you know I'm, I'm locked in. You know I'm, I'm tunnel vision focused.
0: Well, we're looking forward to it. Now I want to talk about the fight itself too, because you're fighting Abdul Razak Khalasan, who who a lot of people have drawn some comparisons between you two because you both got quick hands, you both like to slug it out. What what were sort of your thoughts when they paired you with him and you heard that name as your potential opponent?
2: I mean I really never I I, I don't uh, see a thing about me. Uh, like, I take the time to look at certain people, but I let my coaches and stuff do that. I, I don't take too much time looking at, you know what I'm saying? I got people for that. So I let them study for me and then come and tell me what's going on. And I mean, I looked at him a little bit. I seen, like, you know, I seen his resume. And, you know, I, I, I you know what I'm saying? I was, I really wasn't too impressed when I looked at one of his fights, but I know, I know what he brings to the table and I don't look past him. You know what I mean? I know he's a dangerous opponent. And, uh, you know, Hey, he ain't the first dangerous opponent out of four. and won't be the last. So, you know, this, this is this is the this is the business that I'm in. And, you know, you just got to be, you got to stay ready so you don't got to get ready. And this is why I didn't just, this is why, another reason why I just didn't take anything that was offered to me because at the same time with stuff being shut down, you know, I, was, I wasn't I was all the way ready like I wanted to be. Now I'm ready for, you know what I'm saying, whoever. And in this case, is him.
0: Absolutely, and and you know I usually like to get this question out to my fighters before I let them go. I, I like to know how do you see this fight going? Do do you have a prediction for how you see this one ending?
2: I mean, really, you know, I'm gonna take what he give me. I'm gonna take what he give me. You know, like I said, I know he got a lot of power. I got a lot of power. So you know, what I mean, it's gonna be a shootout. But at the end of the day, hey, you know, like I said, if he make a mistake, he gotta pay. You know, I might end in the first round. It might end in the second round, you know. We might end up going the three rounds, you know. If it go my way, of course, I wanted to go in the first round, but you know, it might it might end up in the second round, you know. Second round TKO, but uh, if it go my way, you know, first round get him up out of there, man, and move on to the next person. Maybe get another fight in December.
0: Well, we're certainly looking forward to it, fans. Once again, this was Chaos Williams who fights Abdul Razak Hassan at UFC Vegas 14. Makachev versus Dos Andros. Chaos, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. No problem. And that interview with Chaos Williams is brought to you by Respect the Tap. You can visit them at dot com. That's Respect the Tap. The T is doubled down at the end of Respect and T. And Respect the Tap is an organization and a company that is all about bringing martial arts together with design. They've got really awesome gear that you can check out. Hoodies, T-shirts, three-quarters tees, great snapbacks. Their stuff is super fashionable, and they bring the art into martial art. And it's on and off the mat. You want to look good, head on over to respectthetap.com. And I, of course, am Daniel Gumby-Freeland, joined, as always, by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, obviously this past week's main event was supposed to be for the number one contender spot. We got Izzy Aydesanya hanging on. Do you think that Glover Teixeira did enough to get that fight?
3: Well, let me break this down in two different ways, Gumby. Do I, Shockwave Dave, think that Glover deserves the shot? Emphatically, one billion percent yes. Do I think he gets the shot? Yeah, but not as emphatic. Uh, Dana White said he certainly deserves it. Jan Blankowitz said he deserves it. John Jones said he deserves it. If you go to uh, second in the GOAT light heavyweight rankings, whether that be in your estimation, DC or Chuck Liddell, I bet you they would say he deserves it. I bet if you polled all former light heavyweight champions, they would say he deserves it. Anyone who's in the know knows he deserves it. But this is the fight business, and if they feel that the Ida-Sanya matchup, him coming up to 205 is more of a money fight, I guess they go with that. I personally think it's ridiculous. Adesanya has only defended twice. Blankowitz hasn't defended at all. And this is the time to strike while the iron is hot with Glover. He is a fan favorite. You have a ton of equity in his name right now off this win streak. I would hate to see him risk that by fighting someone else and lose the win streak. Uh, This is the time to strike with Glover. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I 100% agree with you, and I think that's the only reason you see Dana backpedaling, right? Because, like, we, we'd we love to see Israel Adesanya, you know, go up a weight class and and probably win that title too fairly easily, at least in, in my estimation. But ultimately, he knows he can do that at any time, and he also knows that going up and beating Jan Blankovic isn't a money fight. It's a play to try to draw Jon Jones back to light heavyweight for a crazy super fight that would sell a billion pay per views. Right? Like, that that's the whole play of moving Ida Sanya up. It's not him versus Jan being fun. Uh, Him versus, you know, Whitaker is just as fun. Or him versus, you know, Jack Hermanson is just as fun. Or, you know, him versus Kevin Holland, should he fucking win that main event that's coming up in December, would be fun. So, like, they're just as fun as Jan Blankovic. So, I think you're right. The, the idea that Glover's stock is high right now... People seem interested in his story, which is, I mean, it's so hard to force people to be interested in somebody's story in MMA in 2020. So to have that naturally occur, and, and he did himself a huge favor with the post-fight interview, being like, give an old man his shot. Like, dude, that was that was right up there with Randy Couture saying, not bad for an old man, uh, as far as old man post-fight speeches, so... I think that, yeah, you're right. Now is the time to strike. The iron's hot. And, and hell, I actually like him in a fight with Jan Blankovic, too. Call me crazy. Um, But he he made a a further believer out of me uh, with that big win this past weekend.
3: It's such a great story. It could be the Disney storybook ending to his career or even just a mini title run kind of what they tried to do with dan henderson actually on his way out when they gave him the uh bisping fight when he clearly didn't deserve it but you know what this is great because glover actually does deserve it i have kind of a wacky question for you and then we'll move on the idea and i know you're a title uh historian and i guess whatever you want to say traditionalist and you don't like the idea of a super fight between two champions when they haven't defended their belt uh, and in this case, between the two of them, there's only been two title defenses, zero from Jan. Now we know that Izzy is money and he's developed, uh, you know, a, a name for himself. His social media game is strong. His fighting style is exactly what the UFC wants to see. It's highlight reel worthy. He's a personality. He's great. So him coming up to face Jan helps Jan. There's no doubt about that. But my question to you is which, which division is actually lacking that there needs to be a super fight between two champions? What I mean to say by that is should the 205ers be pissed that Izzy's skipping the line or should the 185ers be pissed that the title won't be defended and Izzy's going up? You know what I'm trying to say? Like
0: I I know exactly division. Yeah. Yeah, I know exactly what you're trying to say. And I would say the the pissed off group should definitely be the 205ers. There's like four or five guys who are chomping at the bit for a shot at the belt. You know, you, you, we, we just talked about Glover. He's definitely the most worthy. But you, you can't also tell me that Yuri Proshaka isn't all that far away either. He just got done knocking Volkan Ozdemir, silly. You know, like Alexander Rejic is also not that far out. He just absolutely decimated Anthony Smith, which, you know, so did Glover. But right now it's looking like hey, maybe Anthony Smith wasn't that bad to lose to Glover and Alexander Rachich back-to-back. Those are two really tough fights. So all three of those guys kind of have a claim to be pretty damn close. Um, And there are other guys not that far away, too, like Magomed Ankulayev. I I think people are sleeping on big time. So, like, 205 has tons of guys. Right now, the, the number one contender at 185 is Robert Whitaker, who just one fight ago got knocked out by Israelite Desanya, pretty convincingly so like I don't think there's anybody right there you know like you know Darren Darren Till was right there but he got beat by Whitaker you know Jared Cannonier was right there he got beat by Whitaker like you know like there's a bunch of guys who are kind of right there but like most of them have you know something wrong with them right like Jack Hermanson's right there but he got beat by Cannonier and you know i mean i guess kevin holland should he actually be jack Hermanson, would be like an interesting candidate but like right now there's no clear-cut guys at 85 and there are so many clear-cut guys at 205 which again is just a reason not to do that title fight yet
3: is dominic reyes coming off a win who did no, he last fight
0: no 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 he's He's coming off of Jan Blankovic starching him silly for the title. (laughs) Oh, that's right, yeah. Oh, my God, you're right. Yeah, Yeah. so,
3: yeah, for me, I would say that uh, I agree with you that 205 has better options, and it's very unfortunate. I think Kill is actually an interesting stylistic matchup for Izzy, but it's not the kind of thing where I'm saying it's a crime that he's not getting the title shot.
0: You know? Yeah, and and, and he would have been, he would have really put a good stamp on it had he, you know, had, had he stayed healthy enough to fight Jack Hermanson in December if he had won convincingly, you know, like, had a big highlight. He might even be able to jump Whitaker, even though Whitaker beat him, you know, just because, like you said, it's an interesting style matchup. But, like, him falling out of that fight really puts a nail in the coffin to having any, like, you know, real riveting new title challenger. I mean, I guess Jack Hermanson maybe, but I, I don't see him having any anything for, for Israel Adesanya right now.
3: All right. Well, there might not be any riveting title challengers at 185, but we have a riveting segment coming up. It's our favorite segment. It's fights, dogs, parlays. But before we
0: get to it, one may wonder if any company sponsors this segment, Gumby. Absolutely, Fights, Dogs, and Parlays is brought to you by Maroon Social, M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. So whether you do kickboxing, judo, boxing, sambo, or jujitsu, it does not matter. Log your training sessions with Maroon Social. And for a limited time only, Maroon is giving away, that's right, giving away their premium version of their app to all listeners of Top Turtle MMA. 500 of you guys can use this app for free no subscription needed you just get the premium one when you go to check out use promo code top turtle MMA and check that out because let me tell you it is awesome once again that's maroon social wherever it is you download apps
3: all right. Well, Islam Makiachev was supposed to fight RDA, but he had to pull out of the fight. And on short notice, uh, that was due to uh, injury, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Or did he pop for the COVID?
0: I think that's an injury, but, but it's been real hush-hush. I don't think I've ever seen anything confirmed.
3: Yeah, that's what, Yeah, I was confused about that because I, too, had not seen anything confirmed. Let's just go with injury for now. So what are you going to do? Short notice fight. Who's going to step up? How about Paul fucking Felder, the sometimes uh, commentator and the sometimes fighter? Very fun matchup, all being said, even though he's stepping up on short notice. Uh, RDA, as you would expect, is the favorite here, minus 170. Felder, on short notice, just a slight dog, in my opinion, at plus 145, uh, which goes to tell you that uh, a lot of bettors do like him in this uh, main event. Uh, RDA, the former champion. Kind of fallen on hard times here. I don't know if it's sad to see, expected to see. I guess it really depends on where you fall. But he is one and four in his last five contests. Up at 170, he lost to Colby Covington and Kamara Usman. Uh, no great feat, the, or no shame in that, really. Back in 2018, and that was coming off wins over Robbie Lawler and Neil Magny, Tarek Safadine. Some people thought he really was going to be a contender at 170, but then ran into the upper echelon of the division, lost, beat Kevin Lee via arm triangle choke uh, back at 155. Okay, that's great. But now he's coming off losses to Leon Edwards and Michael Chiesa. So that means he is one and four in his last five. Uh, And, you know, again, where does he go from here? This is a former champion at 155 trying to put together one last run, I would have to imagine he has to reel off, you know, three, four wins in a row to even be in title contention. Felder coming off a very tough split decision loss to Dan Hooker, very fun fight. Beat Edson Barbosa via split decision before that. Beat James Vick via unanimous decision before that. So he is two and one in his last three. The dog here. Is there, do you see enough? Do you have that good feeling where you want to take Felder as a dog or are you just going with RDA the favorite? Who you got?
0: So the interesting thing to me in this is whether or not RDA decides that he is a wrestler again. Um, And and it's not like he ever forgot he was a wrestler, but I think he fought so many wrestlers that it, it might've made him forget that a little bit, right? Like if you look at his fight with Michael Chiesa, he fought one takedown and got taken down six times. Uh, and Michael Chiesa, definitely a good wrestler, but not like that punishing wrestler you think about. Like you think about when you think Kamaru Usman and Colby Covington, who also kind of manhandled RDA. But it's worth noting, RDA has taken down Robbie Lawler. RDA has taken down Colby Covington. And that's up a weight class. He took down Kevin Lee four times and submitted him. Like, he he's a really accomplished wrestler. And if he goes in there with that game plan that he is just going to wrestle him up... I think he probably is somewhat successful there and and could eke out a decision, especially if this goes late. The problem with me is that he was preparing for a phenomenal wrestler. He was getting ready for this fight against Islam Makhachev where he was going to be the guy at a wrestling disadvantage. He was betting off at like plus 450 because people knew the, the path to victory was clear for Islam. He was going to take him down. So I'm, I'm just a little worried that maybe his mind isn't in that game plan yet. And and if maybe he's trying to shift things, maybe he's changing it around. But on short notice against a guy like Paul Felder, who I actually think is way more polished on the feet than RDA. um, And, and RDA, you know, has a tendency when st- he's getting hit a little bit, you know, like he winds up getting hit a lot of it. He he just engages with that. Like, look at his fight with Kamara Usman. He, he got hit and then, like, he would come forward more and it wouldn't, it doesn't stop him from getting hit. And against a guy like Paul Felder, who's just willing to dump on the strikes, like look what Paul Felder did to to Dan Hooker. He landed over 100 strikes in those five rounds. So I could really see Paul Felder picking up the – or landing more damage. And, and I'm, I think I'm going to take him by five-round decision here.
3: All right. I'm not going to argue with you at all. I think I lean the same way. Uh, we have a very interesting matchup to discuss now. Uh, Abdul Razak Al-Hassan is a minus-235 favorite to Chaos Williams, and that's not a nickname. Chaos is actually his name, just spelled K-H-A-O-S Williams, a plus-195 dog. He's 1-0 in the UFC. Uh, Al-Hassan has been pretty good in the UFC, maybe not the world beater some people were predicting him to be when he first came in. All told, he is Four and two in the UFC, coming off a loss to Munir Lazes via unanimous decision, but a heavy favorite here. Who you got?
0: You know, I, I think if you are betting this fight, you have to bet on Chaos Williams. Um, just because both guys throw absolute bombs, and we saw with Chaos Williams knocking out uh, Alex Morano, who was actually fighting earlier on this card, uh, knocking out Alex Morano in 27 seconds, he's got ridiculous power. This is a fight that is going to end in the first round with one person unconscious. I almost can guarantee that. But that being said, if I'm going to bet that kind of fight, I'm always going to bet the guy who's a two-to-one underdog. But gun to my head, I had to pick a winner. I would probably pick Abdul Razak al here because I just think he's probably a little bit more of a polished striker. There's probably like a 52% chance he wins this fight. But at the same time, you know, if you're going to bet the guy with a 52% chance... You're gonna want his odds to look a lot better than negative two thirty-five. So if you're gambling, take a dabble on on Chaos Williams. If you're just picking and you're doing a pick 'em with some friends, I say go with Abdul Razak All All
3: right. I can't argue with anything there. We'll move then to Sean Strickland, a minus one thirty favorite against Brandon Allen, a very slight dog at plus one ten. I think this is one of the more interesting contests on the night. Um Brandon Allen is coming off a win over Kyle uh, Dacus, uh, beat Tom Breeze before that, beat Kevin Holland before that. So he's actually 3-0 and oh in the UFC. Uh, we're really not mad at that. And Sean Strickland uh, also coming off a very big win over Jack Marshman, via unanimous decision uh, that was just last month. So short notice turnaround for him, beat Nordin Taleb via TKO before that, lost to Eliza zaleski De Santos via spinning wheel kick and punches KO before that, wins over Court McGee, lost to Kamaru Usman, uh, split decision win over Tom Breeze, uh, beat Alex Garcia. So, you know, for him, it's like he puts together a little win streak and then he loses one, puts together a little win streak, loses one. So trying to separate himself from the pack, the Jack Marshman win is probably the best thing on his resume. Uh, who do you taking?
0: I think I'm going to go with Brandon Allen here. I, I like Sean Strickland, and his his fight with Jack Marshman was so fun. The way he narrated, like, the last two minutes of the fight, telling Jack or, uh, Marshman that he was just going to give him a chance to win. Come here, Jack. I'll give you a chance to win. Just punch. Um, Was so much fun. That guy needs to be in a quiet arena every single time he fights. But that being said, like his advantage here is clearly on the feet, and Brandon Allen is just a suffocating grappler. I've loved the way his grappling looks so far. I was actually really excited. He was supposed to fight Ian Heinisch last week when that fight got canceled, and this one got sort of you know, haphazardly put together for this card. I was really excited for that one because I actually think he had a great chance of winning that one and appearing in the rankings afterwards. But I think Strickland is equally a good matchup for him. It's going to force him to work on his wrestling a little bit and to avoid strikes. Um, But ultimately, I think he's the better wrestler, and I think that that top game is probably good enough to control enough of the fight or even get a late sub. All
3: right. Well, that takes care of our fights portion of fights, dogs, and parlays. Let's get to the dog portion. (laughs) Uh, and that's Roku Martinez, a plus 170 over Dante Mays. Why do we like him, Martinez as a plus 170 dog.
0: So I like Roki Martinez over Dante Mays because uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think he he is a sharper striker in terms of speed and in terms of volume. Dante Mays does throw big bombs. He's got some decent uh, boxing. But ultimately, Roque works the legs. If you've seen Roque Martinez and his fight over in any of his fights over in Ryzen, he's like a pride original looking guy. His fights with with Mirko Krokop were super fun. And he actually was kicking Mirko Krokop a fair amount and doing some damage to Krokop's legs before he got cut and the doctor had to stop the fight. So he's had some really high level competition. I think the only reason he's an underdog here is because he got absolutely ragdoll wrestled in his debut by Alexander Romanoff, who just won by forearm choke in, like, the most ridiculous way. So it, it's probably not very telling that he lost to Romanoff earlier in the year. Uh, and I think here, you know, I think he, like I said, he's got a speed advantage. Even though he's badly behind in reach and height, I think he could probably use that speed advantage here to at least tire Mays out and probably finish him late.
3: Before we move from our dog to our parlay, I do want to bring up the fact that we're pretty good at what we do. Gumby, break it down. How good did we play off last week? And if anyone followed our advice, they probably made a fat envelope off of us. Am I wrong or am I right?
0: Yeah, so the a- aforementioned uh, Alexander Romanov, who I had mentioned on the, the show, I said he was going to win by first-round submission, and maybe that's not brain surgery, but if you were looking at the odds right after I told you that, plus 250 you could have gotten first-round submission on Romanov for. Um, so hopefully you guys listened to me and wagered alongside of me um also if you looked at the flow picks for the week i did take glover to so you might want to head on over and keep an eye out for those flow picks that are coming up on the instagram and twitter of flow combat each and every week as well
3: all right our parlay to play this week alex morano minus 200 paramatoni gravely at minus 190 so the two favorites solid favorites would get you plus 130 odds why do we like this parlay to play
0: so, Reese McKee is fighting Alex Murano. I love Alex Murano in this fight because Reese McKee is a guy who not just against Kamzat Chemaev, which was a cruel debut for the poor guy, but against all of the fighters he's fought in Cage Warriors 2, has a really tough time with takedowns. That's Alex, Mur- Alex Murano's bread and butter. As long as he goes to his bread and butter here, takes him down, beats him up. This is an easy top game win for Alex Murano. Gravely, on the other hand, he's fighting Geraldo de Fritas, who who has some really good chain wrestling. But ultimately, I think that chain wrestling probably looks pretty bad against the pure strength of Gravely. Again, I I think Gravely would probably be a huge favorite here if people went back and watched him fight Brett Johns. He got Brett Johns in his debut and, and put together a pretty good fight before he got submitted. I just don't see DeFritas being the type of guy here who can replicate what Brett Johns did. So I like the strength of Gravely. I like the wrestling of Murano. And I think, you know, obviously getting two together with plus money is a no brainer.
3: Well, it's a no brainer that you got to keep listening to our fights, dogs and parlays. We're pretty good at what we do. Gumby that wraps up this edition of fights, dogs and parlays. Why don't you wrap up the show as a whole?
0: And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We couldn't do what we do without you guys. We also couldn't do what we do without our sponsors, ProPace Metrics, Maroon Social, and Respect the Tap. We also want to thank the mothership, Flow Combat, for having us on each and every week. And remind you guys to check us out on Twitter and Instagram, at Top Turtle MMA in both locations. Until then, I'm Daniel Gumby-Vreeland. He's Shockwave Dave Tremante.